episode 181 of Friends of Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is yesterday. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. Hello. Hey. <laughs> you okay? I was going to go into the, like... I was gonna start singing "Hey Jude," but then there'll be a rights disaster, That's and true. I don't have the range for that too. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm like an awkward tenor at most, okay. and that requires at least you know kind of an alto and yeah. a little bit of a soprano, and so I, I don't got that, uh, not one bit. Um, things are good. Welcome to the week of releases. Yes, for friends in film. I mean, we're only still going to do two episodes this week. Okay. But it'll be a little different. Yes. So welcome to the different week. Uh, that's all I got. I don't know what else to say there, but <laughs> when we do have something to say, it'll be on Twitter, at Friends and Film. And then if you're looking for all those episodes and reviews and things like that, we'll be punching out this week and next week. You can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and basically anywhere podcast can be found but if you can on apple podcast please rate and review us that'll ultimately help rank us and then we can find more friends of the show that's right now josh did mention that our schedule is gonna be a little different this week not in terms of when we are sharing or posting new episodes just in terms of what the content is going to be um, because as of today when you guys are hearing this on monday july 1st uh we will be that night tonight seeing spider-man far from home because it opens at midnight and it opens you know Tuesday at 11 a.m. the rest of the way, and it's all available through July 4th weekend. So instead of waiting till like next week to review Spider-Man from Home to talk about it, we are instead going to put out our review slash spoiler discussion on Wednesday in lieu of the big question. So you guys can hear all of our thoughts on Spider-Man from Home on Wednesday. And then next week, we'll be back with a review uh, slash Ari Aster discussion with Midsummer on Monday. And no big question next Wednesday because I'll be on vacation. So uh, we just don't have the time uh, to do another episode. So yes, we're going to do, do a lot of podcasting here in the next couple of days for us. You guys will hear that over the next week and a half. Uh, worth of episodes but uh, before we get to this review of yesterday josh is there anything that you watched recently yes i have i joined i jumped in on the swath the horde of people um converging on netflix to watch neon genesis evangeline what is that the 1995 anime that's basically pacific the first generation pacific rim oh, okay about um creatures from like basically under the earth emerging or above the earth or they're coming from somewhere okay that i don't want to get into you know because people need to watch the show sure um and humanity invents robots to fight them piloted by kids because they have of they, course they believe why wouldn't you better or something <laughs> exactly you, that's the tension but it is so good it's visceral and dark and bloody but also like explores a lot of great things like about depression and all these things uh, that's just remarkable but the reason i'm talking about it is because today uh, i showed up late to the the podcast um (laughs) because i was watching the film neon genesis evangeline which is the conclusion to this 25 episode series oh and i am speechless because it it is just that good wow that good um but aside from premise setting right there i don't want to spoil it you can easily watch it in a, probably two days with the film, um, but get on it because it's one of the best uh, anime I've ever watched. I haven't watched a lot of anime, <laughs> like three. Um, so, so it's definitely top three. Though. High endorsement um, from myself. Yeah, that and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Okay. Um, but get on it because I just think it sets so many... Um, it's a template for a lot of movies, particularly a character named Ray who has a vision that's eerily similar to the one that goes on in the cave. Really? Do you think yes. JJ is a fan? Uh, J- or is that just a coincidence? JJ's a fan. Ryan's absolutely a fan. Like Beca- for a factor, you're for just a fact, assuming. A character named Ray with a with like literally a body, 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 body kind of like. Wait, I heard the character's name Ray as well. Yes. Oh. Yes. Wow. That it's the name, and then it's the. Um, I don't know, it's the drawing of, uh, like, you know, how she looks down the glass and uh-huh. just sees all these versions of herself. There's a scene 
just like that. I'm like, oh, that's so wow. heavy-handed. So any clues about episode nine then? <laughs> no, I don't no. think so. Okay. Well, yes, actually, but that would be spoilery, and I don't want to go there. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough then. Uh, How about you though, man? I know that was really nerdy. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. I loved it. I'll probably go check that out. Is Neon Genesis, Genesis? Evangeline? Okay, uh, it's on Netflix, so mm-hmm. it's uh, readily available. Uh, I did some catching up of my Netflix queue. I've been watching a Santa Clarita Diet, which is hilarious. It's amazing. Go check it out, even though it's canceled. Um, but I also checked out The Perfection, uh, finally. Yes. Uh, it is definitely weird mm-hmm. and strange, but I think I kind of enjoyed it for the most part. Like, it's not, you know, it's definitely not perfect by any means, right. but I thought that uh, Allison Williams and Logan Browning, both their performances were really, really solid. I think it, the storytelling decisions and, like, the uh, show don't tell you until we want to show you what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it can work, but it also, you know, takes it to places where you're like, all right, this is a little far fetched at certain points. And then dark too. Dark. And also I, I think there's a slight misstep in the logic of the characters, but they, they don't dive into, but I'm not totally sure on that. Uh-huh. Um, but I think their performances are really solid and uh, worth checking out for that. And then just the absurdity that kind of the rest of the movie is. I think there's also some thematic things in play there that the movie doesn't totally know how to uh, to land. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that's terms a, of what? In terms of like what has actually been going on with them. Yeah. How that all concludes. I'm like, huh, okay. I think it falls a little flat. Like you could have said something beyond just like doing – I think what was pretty standard for this type of a movie. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, it's, it's a solid watch. It's not terrible, um, but I can see why it's also been a divisive film, uh, mm-hmm. but also one that's been largely talked about, which is exactly what Netflix wants. It's one of those things where like you just, it's like it benefits from you chancing upon it and being like, well, what's this? Allison Williams, new mm-hmm. movie. Okay, click play. And then you get through it on, you're like, what on earth is going on? And yeah. then it flips and then it turns around and then you're like, Oh, 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 and then yes. there you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's what I watched. Uh, so a couple of Netflix recommendations for you guys. Let's move on, though, to a movie that's out in theaters right now. Yesterday, a movie about what would happen if you were the only person in the world that could remember the Beatles <laughs> and mm. uh, what kind of world that would be. And I think for the most part, this is a fun, lighthearted, you know, Danny Boyle movie uh, that is at its best at the beginning when uh they're setting up you know uh jack as this you know uh, wannabe musician who's struggling who wants to give up and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he wakes up after this horrific accident and uh nobody else remembers the beatles except for him and now he can write those songs and become super rich and i really enjoyed that part of the movie because i liked the idea of him and the struggle that he had to go through of remembering the lyrics yes like to every beatles song uh, because i thought it was really really clever um and I think Himesh Patel, who plays Jack in the lead role, he's great. His vocals are pitch perfect, pun intended. Um, and I thought I was really impressed with him and his role in the movie. Lily James is in there as well as his manager slash school teacher slash maybe love interest. And I think it's probably the most unbelievable aspect of a movie that revolves around the Beatles being wiped away from everybody's memory on earth is the fact that Lily James would be friend zoned by mm-hmm. anybody. Um, but that aside, she was really good in the movie as well. Um, I think the, the, the biggest holdup for this though is whether or not you're like a, like diehard Beatles fan, mm-hmm. which I do not consider myself to be like, okay. I know, I know several of their songs. I like many of their songs, but I don't like, hold them in like this high regard and I'm not like, you know, this like deep music lover. Um, but like, I like playing their songs, but I don't like have, there's also a lot of the songs in this movie that I didn't know. Like I net, I maybe heard them before, but I do not know them. Was there one that you didn't know? I mean, yeah. Like, uh, hits here. Uh, I did not know, uh, the USSR song, never heard it. Oh my goodness. Um, and there's plenty of other ones too. Like that I'd never heard. I don't know the names of, I think one's like the long winding road or something. Mm-hmm. Um, never heard that one as far as I can remember. If I did hear it, I don't remember it. And, uh, I think that is fine, uh, that I don't know those songs. So they're still great songs, but I hear them. Um, but I don't have that like attachment to them when they're playing. But the, the, the strangest thing is for me as somebody who's not a major Beatles fan is when I hear people talk about the Beatles, they talk about them as these band that, you know, revolutionized the music industry, the world in a lot of ways. And this movie doesn't really touch on that 
Yeah. It's more of just like, hey, they made great music. Nothing else. It's like, oh, okay. And so I, I thought there'd maybe be a little bit more discussion on how the Beatles changed the world. Um, a little bit more discussion on Jack's mental state as he's gaining all this fame mm-hmm. while just copying other people's work um, who are no longer uh, around or known in that way. But I will say that I am a more a, a bigger Beatles fan now because apparently they had some ties to the creation of Coca-Cola. So uh, hats off to the Beatles for that, for helping me through in that way. Um, other than that, though, I think... Uh, the other characters in the movie, Joel Fry as Jack's friend, and then should, uh, Sajeev uh, Bakjar uh, as Jack's father. I thought they were really good comedic relief characters uh, that mm-hmm. really worked for me. Um, and then, but I thought Kate McKinnon was a bit hit and hit and miss um, as kind of this over the top, uh, you know, winky uh, manager character. Ed Sheeran was fine in the movie. Um, I think the love story is okay at best um so i've been really struggling to figure out where i'm gonna fall in terms uh-huh. of the grade on this movie initially i was a, it's a three and a half because mm-hmm. I, I had fun watching it but then as i have kind of sat on it for longer i'm more like i really enjoyed the first 40 45 minutes and then after that i was more like okay let's see where this is going mm-hmm. and so i think i'm gonna go to a three instead and uh just say this is a good movie but definitely not fantastic yeah that's that's where i kind of landed too i was like this isn't this isn't great but it's not bad it's not kind of bad either like it's just it's just like all sugar and nothing else like there's no there's nothing really shocking or divine about the movie other than like here we've got like a, a, a very charismatic guy um and himish patel and like i I enjoyed him. I want to see him in so much more. Mm-hmm. Like he's do like you said, he's, he's, he's the guy that they put at the center of this to take like, you know, the barbs of like sing the Beatles music, man. Like if you don't like people are going to hate you, but if you mm-hmm. do, we'll love you. I think we land on that side of him performing extraordinarily well throughout yes. the movie. And he's the only reason I think I was able to sit through this movie um, because there's a, there's a joyous part when you, like you said, when he's trying to remember all these lyrics and he kind of just goes on like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, vision quest kind of across the country and you know hits up all these landmarks and places just like trying to like um remember like remember them and just sort of like put himself in the place of you know those four and that's kind of fun and interesting and that's sort of like you know like a journey down that road and that's where i'm enjoying the movie the most but then once um he does like you know the kind of uh what do you call it the you know plays on the live television for the show yeah and has his um oh what was that moment here in the united states the the, the old late night television show johnny carson i think or not johnny carson maybe he was on cordon in a dream sequence thing yes and then they were like talking about him going to i'm talking about the og beatles oh but they have like one of those moments where they um they like broke out here in the states when Mm -hmm. they played for three straight line weeks um and like that kind of like that's kind of like emulation of it but then it just launches him into like you said that career and gaining fame and i was disinterested in that completely like ed sheeran shows up and he's Good. Like, His introduction was funny. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's like three or four little pockets of moments that are, that are like you know funny. Kate McKinnon is like you said hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly missed for me. Like the character yeah. is just way. It just feels like it was. Uh, I don't know. Like from a different movie. <laughs> from a different movie, trying too. I don't want to say trying too hard. I hate that phrase, but mm-hmm. it's just like you know this seems like one of those like I'm gonna tear down your town or something like that and then that that seems like the character only in music industry form i Mm -hmm. suppose um but ed sheeran like he's sort of making fun of himself a lot of the ways um kind of like in light of like a new album that he's got dropping out so i kind of found that pretty funny and i loved that uh but i was like totally just just interested from that point on um because it just sort of like fell away and they're like oh yeah that's right lily james (laughs) <laughs> and like well, we got to get her back in, and then like they 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 rush through all that, and that becomes the story, and not uh-huh. so much the Beatles. But then they try to like you know hammer the Beatles back into the movie um, through uh, a choice that I'm not sure I like, but whatever. Um, then makes me ask questions. So <laughs> at the end of the day, though, I think I'm like right there with you. I'm at a two and a half. Okay. Because the music is there, but once that's stripped away, all I've got left is Patel and. You know, um, he was really the only part of it that like 
kept me going. Mm-hmm. Lily James's character was just, you know, for him, which was disappointing. So, all right. Well, let's move into spoilers, uh, and you can talk about that decision. Yeah. Okay. So, well, first of all, I have two things to say. Okay. The Beatles, they don't exist in this movie, right? That's the premise. Correct. Well, we all know it. Yes, their music does not exist. Exactly. But the people exist, Correct. right? Yes. We we know this. We know that because he finds John Lennon and visits him and for self assurance. Yes, and he is still alive, John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Um, living out his days He's with like, Yoko. Yes. No. Uh, they they allude to allude that. They to don't that. specifically say that's who he's with. But probably don't have the rights to her. You name. you'd assume so. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you happy? He's like, I'm happy. Are you happy? That's, that's kind of like the dynamic. I'm like, okay. So now I have questions. Like, is Ringo, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison just like, you know, out there wandering around somewhere? Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's the case. But I like, but also this other world that they've created is another dimension. I don't know exactly. Yeah. It's the power outage. Like, does the power outage have it? Oh, I have no clue. See, this is this is where like the movie just kind of you, broke down you, you for really me. You really can't think about the yes. logic behind <laughs> like that whole thing. But that's all I could think about. Come, I know it's as hard soon not as, to. As soon as John Lennon came on screen, I was like, "Oh, what does this mean? Does this mean that like everything's possible to be mined?" Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like that brought my interest back into that and I couldn't stop thinking about it all the way until the end and then when the other people emerged and were like hey we remember the Beatles too because they're in the people in conflict with him uh-huh. about you know who authored those songs which Patel um, or Jack eventually confesses to the crowd and then uploads for free yeah which is okay I guess but still I have I, I have <laughs> tons of questions of how he's how he's legally allowed to do that <laughs> slash wouldn't he be reprimanded by Kate McKinnon after the fact of like She's his manager slash the record label. They would own those songs in some form. So you cannot just release them all for free and have absolutely no fallout from that. Unless they didn't know who did it. But he said, I am the one doing it. (laughs) That's right. It's like, he's like, oh, by the way, I just found out that all these songs are available on my SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's not how that's right. Joe Fry's character. Yeah. Rocky, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I have like, but the the world that this is is happening in, I just, I had so many questions about it, and there's no explanation for this at the end of it all. The power outage, my my best guess is the power outage opened up a wormhole that <laughs> sent him and, rep- and like you know swap people from different dimensions, and so now he's alive in the dimension where the Beatles, his music was never made. Were you waiting until the very end, like I was, for it to be revealed that he was just in a coma and this is on his head? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Because yeah. like again, like none of this else makes it right. doesn't make any else uh, doesn't make sense otherwise. Like mm-hmm. how is John Lennon still alive? How are there no repercussions from a, a Beatles less world? Like you're saying like. The music industry didn't evolve. Like Ed yeah. Sheeran has like some Beatles stuff in him. Like right. he is still even a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jack is a little boy, the thing that connects him and Lily James's character together is he plays a Beatles song at their school talent show. Yep. So he couldn't have played that song in this reality if the Beatles weren't around. Yeah. So is it just that any song he would have sang would have had that same you know thing come through? Like there's mm-hmm. just a lot of questions that this opens up, and I was kind of waiting for you know to figure out more find out what happened why it happened how it happened and they don't give you that yeah like and, some idea that there's like a superficiality to that and it actually goes deeper yeah but it's not no and i was also a little um a little angry nuts i guess i don't know if angry feels so strong but i don't know what the end of the word to say where the trailers sell you on like those two other people that know about yes them being you know, the Beatles members and being like, no, we're the ones who wrote the songs. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, two other fans who remember their music and they're not confrontational at all. Once they actually get to meet Jack, yeah. even though beforehand they're like, you know, stalking him, right. they're shouting at him during press conferences. And you're like, okay, these people are angry. Mm-hmm. And then like, I felt like the trailer sells you and they show that clip from James Corden's show. It's like, yeah. Oh, we've got two people here who say otherwise. You don't write these songs. It's like, oh, this is like the big dramatic reveal mm-hmm. that's going to kick off the third act. And it's not. That's a dream sequence. You're like, yeah. well, I felt cheapened by that because you're selling me on that in the trailers of like, this is a plot point mm-hmm. and it's not. And I thought for sure it was going to be like Paul McCartney like walking out yeah, there. Yeah, surprise cameo. Uh-huh. And like, like, oh, we shoot. Get, we get like a huge feud between the two of them and be like the Lennon McCartney, like, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. That's, I don't know. 
But no, none of that happened. Like we didn't even get a Paul McCartney cameo. Nope. And that I thought that was a for sure yeah. thing when you're blasting mu- Beatles music across your entire movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, so yeah, I don't know. It, the this movie, yeah, this movie just collapses when you think about it. But it's yeah. still it's still warm and sunny and. Exactly. I, it, it's hard to like throw stones at it other than that it just is what it is mm-hmm. rather than it doesn't do anything though no i would say you have you could have just as good of a time you know playing abbey row on spotify right yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> that's true um but it, it's it's a little funny there's some great like jokes about how like you know the things that don't exist in this world like coca-cola is one mm-hmm. of them um cigarettes the, there's c- no cigarettes which yeah. would be i have so many questions about a huge thing like <laughs> right the world would be a like like who knows how that would have changed the world there's no cigarettes let alone mm-hmm. like the beatles sure the music industry changes a little bit but like no cigarettes that's like a a whole industry in and of itself that yes. <laughs> does not exist. Uh, but the, my favorite one though, just like comes to the end is like when uh, um, Jack remembers, like he's just like, I don't know what, forget what sparks it, but it's I just don't like, remember. it's after him and Lily James finally like are a thing. Yeah. It's just like, and he mentions Harry Potter. For some <laughs> right. She's like, what? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> like, Oh goodness. And like, so it's like a final, like, really good like way to like close the book on the movie uh-huh. and be like oh no we're gonna do this whole thing over again in circles or something like that but, but like what does harry potter have to do with the beatles like i don't i don't know if there's a connection there i don't think there's a connection it's just like this is a different world where different things don't exist okay or different dimension where things don't exist kind of like into the spider-verse where it's right not coca-cola but it's something else yeah and so like those small changes but Okay, see, I thought it was, like, trying to say that, like, because the Beatles don't exist, that's why cigarettes don't exist, that's why Coke doesn't exist, that's why um, Oasis doesn't exist, that's why Harry mm-hmm. Potter doesn't exist. And I was like, what's the Harry Potter? Is J.K. Rowling, like, a major Beatles fan and gave her the inspiration to write a book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the case. I, I, haven't done, I haven't done the research. No, I haven't so either. It, it was more just, like, a hypothetical question. That was like, I don't know. That's just, I felt like, a weird note to end it on other than like a comedic gag of like hey there's more out there that mm-hmm. nobody but that does that mean that there's other like do the, the do those other two people also remember cigarettes coke harry potter oasis or are there are other people out there who only remember that harry potter existed and nothing else like mm-hmm. they don't remember the beatles like like i don't know are there more people than just those three people are there more we don't know yeah he's unchanged but everyone else doesn't seem to be yeah so there's yeah, there. It's just it's like it's just like I said, it's a house of cards when it comes down and you get to the end of the premise. Yeah, um, I don't know if belaboring. I mean, I don't have much to say other than no. That. I think I have one question yes. to ask besides our final question. I'd always ask you: Please. Um, Is there? You know, this is a very uh, unrealistic world. Obviously, uh-huh. that like some event would happen like this, and everything would be something would be erased, and you're the only one that can remember it. But if that did happen, is there anything in the world? That if like you woke up tomorrow morning, you mm-hmm. were like, yeah, I was thinking about this. Like, what's that? And it's up to you to recreate it. Is there anything you could like, oh, I could do this. I could remake this. I could remake this. I could remake this music, this uh, this movie, this game. Mm-hmm. Yes. This anything. There is. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Okay. That is the only thing I feel like I have vast swaths of knowledge about to be able to like put down, lay out, and like send forth. But, oh yeah, I remember. I remember crazy amounts of things about that game. Okay, especially like all down to the last hidden great fairy fountain underneath the <laughs> boulder in the Gerdo Desert, um, in the shadows to the left. All of those things. So yeah, that is that is that is one thing I think I could do it with. Okay, but like you'd have to like hire people out there unless you're like oh yeah a secret you know video game programmer <laughs> graphic designer not. and all that stuff. It would ha- it would it would have to be all proposal. Yeah. But yeah, that's one thing I could think I could handle. How about you? I, I really don't know. Like, I definitely could not. Like, there's no band that I'm like, oh, I know every word to all their songs, and I know all of the like the musical arrangements to them, so oh I can recreate goodness. them all. Yeah. Like, that's like insane. Um, so like, if there was like maybe like one movie that was like erased from existence, I'd be like, I could probably piece back together like the first Iron Man, like not mm-hmm. line for line, but like, you know, yeah. the general story and sense and action beats and stuff like that. I could, I could get that or like the Avengers or something. But, uh, like, I think that's just like, so 
it's it's again that unrealistic aspect of this movie it's like there's so many questions in life like you're gonna remember every single word to every beatles song or not every beatles song but like mm-hmm. at least Five, at four? least at, i mean at least that but he's got 40 50 post-it notes on this wall that he's that's right pulling down anytime he completes one so i'm like that's a lot to like know every lyric to all those songs even though i, I did like i think one of the uh other two people made a joke that like uh well you mixed up a couple of words here and there which i was like okay uh, but i would have liked to like hear that like actually like, have them like sing mm-hmm. the song and be like oh and i'm and, like mess that up yeah because like then you're like okay like he's not like perfectly recreated the beatles it's right. like it's the beatles but like with a hint of jack mm-hmm. instead of it's just like they're trying to picture like this is all the beatles so yeah i don't know if there's anything that i could 100 percent like shot for shot you know uh, dial like line of dialogue for line of dialogue, like recreate or anything. Um, maybe like a board game or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I know Monopoly <laughs> well enough. I can like, okay, right. well, I can I can tell you how many squares are supposed to mm-hmm. be. There's supposed to be these many different, uh, you know, boardwalk. There's supposed to be boardwalk and all these different right. like you can get districts from- and stuff. And we can do it that way. Um, but you know, a, a whole music collection or a movie or a TV show, like no way. Well, it's worth a shot. I guess so. Um, but. Josh, will you ever watch Yesterday again? I wouldn't say no. I I wouldn't say no. I didn't like. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't hate it enough to not ever put it on. Maybe mm-hmm. if it's like with a friend or something right. like that. Suppose, yeah. But no, I would never. I would never advocate against this movie. I definitely say go see it if you're looking for a time at the movies. Sure, but it's not going to change your life. Right. I mean, if you liked, if you like the Beatles, I think you're going to like at least enjoy this movie. And if you like the trailers, then I think you're. <laughs> For the most part, you know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I will probably not watch this again fully unless, like, I don't know, like, Hamesh Patel, like, breaks out, which I hope he does because he's great in the movie. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to go revisit that, see his performance again. But even then, I'd probably, like, just check out the first 45 minutes. Yeah. And then, like, stop. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is truly a one-half movie. Yeah. That's for sure. But uh, – I think that's all we have to say on yesterday. I give it three ticket stubs out of five. Josh gives two and a half ticket stubs. We'll be right back in a bit Love with the news. Love was such an easy game to play. I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Why she had to go, I don't know. She wouldn't say. I said something wrong now I long for you And we're back with the news and as always we start with our three main topics this week starting with an update on Disney's live action Little Mermaid as Variety reports that Melissa McCarthy is in early talks to play the villainous underwater uh, octopus person Ursula Yes. Sea Witch. I don't know what her sea witch. technical designation is, but uh, she's in early talks to play that role in the live action movie that will be directed by Rob Marshall. Josh, is she the right choice to potentially play Ursula on the big screen? She's definitely the safe choice to play Ursula. Okay. I had my heart set on Lady Gaga. Yeah, there's that nice early rumor out there that mm-hmm. would have been cool. That would have been fantastic. I mean, like. But I guess that this hints at a non-musical Little Mermaid or a less musical Little Mermaid. Maybe. I don't know. I don't Melissa, know if she can sing. Melissa McCarthy is great. And she will probably undoubtedly crush it in this role. Um, her performance in with Richard E. Grant in I'm Sorry? No. Her- um, um, oh, shoot. What was that called? Uh... I cannot remember. Okay. Well, her, she was really good in it. <laughs> she was terrific. And it was like a little bit darker, but funny. And that'll, I think that would translate perfectly to, um, little mermaid, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, as Ursula, it's this big outsized role and no one else can like really pull it off other than her, like right at the top of my head. Yeah. And so th- sure. Awesome. And, but like, this is like the first casting we're getting. Mm-hmm. So, Bring it on. Yeah, you know? uh, it was Can You Ever Forgive Me? Can You Ever Forgive Me? But yeah, she is fantastic in that movie. She worthy of that Oscar nomination. Um, I wouldn't even have been that mad if she would have won. I thought she was really, really good in that movie. Um, I, and yeah, it's tough because I think 
I can totally envision Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Like, I think that's yeah. very easy. Like, I don't need to see fan art or a first look image. Like, I know what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I know she can go big and ham it up to a level I think you're going to kind of want for this. But also, like you mentioned with Can You Forgive Me or her other dramatic stuff, she can also, like, when she needs to be, be serious. Like, we haven't seen her go menace yet. Which so that could be an interesting turn for yeah, her. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as I maybe maybe she has, and I just don't know of that role for her. Depends on her take of her character in Bridesmaids. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's true. Um, so, but but yeah, I mean, it's tough because I was really hooked on that idea of Lady Gaga playing her. So like, I think that right. just makes a lot of sense um, because of her singing ability. But again, maybe Melissa McCarthy can, you know be a great singer or maybe mm-hmm. she is i don't know i haven't heard her sing uh or i don't remember hearing her sing yeah so maybe you know she's done something like that on snl one time for or sure. in one of her other roles and i'm just not remembering that um but it's definitely not what she's known for either way yeah the um, performance may not even require it that's true we, we have no idea i mean i but i think uh lin-manuel miranda's doing songs yes. for this right so right. i think think that means we're gonna get some music uh, numbers I, in here i absolutely want to see a rendition of poor unfortunate souls oh yeah and i think like even if i think you can even change it up to certain degrees where like you know <laughs> the rocks you know number in moana like he's uh-huh. not like you know he's no you know future grammy nominated mm-hmm. you know singer but you know they fit that song to meet his ability yes. so maybe they can change up any you know if she can't sing Maybe she can. Again, we don't know. But if she can't, uh, then maybe they can change up that style to better suit her. For sure. Yeah, so. absolutely. Just yeah, and then like and very similar to the way they got Will Smith to be able to pull off Prince Ali. Yeah, uh, that song it was really they it was dropped down plenty of octaves, mm-hmm. but then uh, rewrite to like you know fit that like his sort of um, hip hop like you know exactly. sensibilities for yeah. sure. So uh, again, yeah, this is our first piece of Cassian for this movie as far as we've heard but let's rumor monger about something else that's been out there online obviously zendaya showed up to the spider-man home far from home further uh-huh. from home far from home yes uh debut we've heard she has she has been rumored to be offered the lead role mm-hmm. uh of ariel um but that is definitely not confirmed at this point but if they are talking to McCarthy, that would at least indicate to me that they're definitely moving forward in terms of casting for the project, uh-huh. which hopefully means we're going to hear something about who's going to play the character in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is Zendaya, I mean, are you is are you still on board for that? Oh, definitely still yeah. on board for it. I think it's a perfect choice. Yeah, I, I could not. Like, Euphoria is out there, and you're like you would like you'd see that, and then her work with Disney right now with Sony, the Disney Sony Spider-Man uh-huh. movies, you'd be like. No, not you. Like, all the cards are there. Dramatic performances <laughs> on te- prestige television, mm-hmm. contracts right there. Right, I mean, Greatest Showman, she's got the vocals. Like, yes. I think, I yeah. I, it's funny you mentioned, like, the red hair, because, like, you know, there's there's wigs. There's so many different ways you can get anybody with red hair these days. Uh, and I just love the whole, oh, now she's MJ. Mm-hmm. Now she looks like MJ <laughs> because she got red hair. I'm like, I mean, come on, people. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely, has definitely caught people's eye that she dyes her hair red because she's saying it's an MJ tribute for the far from home stuff, but also mm-hmm. in the somewhat times period where Disney moved forward with little mermaid. So you say tribute, I say camera test. Yeah, it definitely could be that. And uh, yeah, if it happens that way, great. Uh, you know, I, again, this is a movie that I think is supposed to start production by the end of the year. Um, so it hopefully won't be too long. Uh, maybe even D23 in August, we could have, you know, the full Little Mermaid cast mm-hmm. announced with, you know, Eric and Neptune and Sebastian and all these founder, all these other people. Bring it on. So can't wait, uh, to see, uh, if this does happen, how that movie turns out. Uh, Ooh. even though. Do we need to prepare ourselves for Ansel Elgort being Eric? Uh, hmm. Maybe. Hmm. That wouldn't be terrible. It wouldn't be terrible. I mean, or you just get Efron back and have a greatest showman reunion. <laughs> oh, the age difference. And, uh, I mean, the age difference is the only thing that would throw me. It's not, it it's threw not, me. It's not that big. It threw me in sh- uh, showman too. He's like, what, 35? No. He's like early 30s tops. I'm pretty sure. I feel like we've had this discussion about Maybe. Zac Efron's age. Maybe he's ageless. <laughs> We're but... just always discussing Zac Efron's age. He is 31. Ah, okay. Not bad. Not so, bad. Not bad. Uh, and Zendaya... Should is be like 22 22 exactly so yeah i mean yeah nine years still, it's, it still it looks like much more that's that is true i mean <laughs> she yeah i mean she looks great so uh let's move on though to a movie we probably 
will not see unless something changes because of what happened this past week. Mm. Um, because earlier this year, Disney pulled the plug on uh, the Mouse Guard live action, quote unquote, totally CGI uh, Mouse Guard movie that Fox was developing uh, after you know Disney bought Fox earlier this year as well. Um, and in retaliation of that move, I guess, uh, director Wes Ball, who'd been attached to do the movie, released a full nine minute demo online. Uh, detailing like this concept trailer plus a, like extended sequences uh, that showed you what their at least idea for the movie would look like in a rough sense. I mean, it yeah. wasn't completed CG or anything, but uh, just give you a feel of what the movie could be. Uh, then he also showed a he took a little tour of their production uh, studio where they were had tons of concept art models, uh, fully rendered CG characters, yep. um, photos on the wall for the cast and everything. And uh, then even some concept art uh, was put online as well. And because of all this, there was a lot of attention all of a sudden being drawn towards Mouse Guard of like, this movie looks great uh, by all accounts. Why would Disney pull the plug on this? Um, and then sure enough, Disney kind of put the hammer down on West Ball, made him take down all this material, but it was kind of too late where everybody's already seen all this stuff before. And it is already been, you know, giving these comparisons to Deadpool, what whoever, whether it was Ryan Reynolds, Tim Miller, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Liefeld, whoever, you know, leaked that Deadpool footage several years ago uh, to get Fox to greenlight that movie. It has that same sort of vibe where, you know, you release all of this, exci- what looks to be an exciting, um, you know, boundary pushing technology pushing yeah. uh, movie expansive to, immersive to, yeah to get people talking and to get support behind this and now we're in position we're like you know all this stuff is offline now but we've seen we we both have seen this stuff studio executives other people online have all seen this footage this um concept are all of this stuff they were planning even the script was put online by gary widow for a couple hours what? um so all of this stuff is out there for what this movie could be and it's been generally very well received do you think, well, A, what did you think of all of this stuff? And then B, you know, do you think this has a second life ahead of it? I was thrown by what this was because I didn't know what Mouse Guard was prior to any of this. Yeah. Like, even as we talked about it, I'm like, yeah, early production CG movie with Mouse. Okay, they'll go after, like, you know, the cheese in the fridge, but they'll have swords. Like, mm-hmm. that was my idea of it. <laughs> like, I had really no clue. Uh-huh. But then when I saw, you know, the perspective, this <laughs> is so stupid. This is the way it sounds. <laughs> but, like... It looked epic, and that's the only way to put it. Like I felt like I felt Tolkien mm-hmm. in all of this, which was crazy. You listen, the mice that um, they had rendered in the um, nine-minute demo, you know, with the Unreal Engine, mm-hmm. their faces were oh, horrid. Like right, very clearly they were going to do some work on those, you know, later, come later. But um, everything else, though, like the scope of it and scale, you're like oh man, this was going to be something special. Like watching a herd of tortoises like move across in like this Jurassic Park-esque, you know, um, you know, like visual was mm-hmm. was stellar. Or like, I and love the shot of I... the, the bird flying with the one mouse and it's gliding through to that like tree trunk castle. I was like, mm-hmm. this looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I just like, give me this movie yesterday. You know, no pun intended or whatever, you know, and vice versa. And so, like, you can see West Ball's, you know, um, ability to fill out and create a universe mm-hmm. and make it feel sort of like, I don't know, expansive, but I don't know. There's, there's, there's a sense of wonder infused in that highlight reel that he put out there that I was not, had not felt for this movie at all. And then as he take to, did the cell phone video tour through, you know, their production room and then everything like that, mm-hmm. um, you're like, Wow, this movie was not only happening and st- with a stacked cast, but there is just so much going on here that looks really cool. Like a fully armored night mouse, yeah. um, you know, standing up off to the side there. I'm like, why do they need this? I think it's so cool, though. I believe and I really uh, want the movie. Like they, Disney shut down production like a couple of weeks, if not a couple of days before the cast was supposed to start filming. Again, this is a fully CG thing. So this is all going to be green screen, motion capture, performance capture. Um, and that's why a lot of the um, location stuff looked pretty decently, uh, you know, detailed and realized because that's more of the stuff you really need to focus on. And then you can, you can develop all that stuff ahead of time and then just insert the CG characters after the fact. But um, I was, yeah, I mean, I was really, I was really impressed by it. I mean, the action looked 
great. Like there's those like the sword fights with between the mice. I'm like, this is like stellar stuff. There's like a semi like I mean it's a quote unquote one take of like these like this one mouse fending off like five and it's like kind of a three sixty shot. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is like just super well choreographed and executed and is really, really uh thrilling. And again, this is all done without uh, a true score. There's no dialogue. There's just like visuals and visually um, I, I understood why Fox was moving forward with this because I felt like if you take what we were seeing in that demo reel and then if you can imagine what that would look like with the like the fully rendered mm-hmm. designs that they had on the wall of the characters like I could see how that's like one of like the visual like visually one of the most like groundbreaking you know movies since like you know the Jungle Book or like Avatar like I think it'd be like on that level of like wow this looks incredible and that's like the drive to go see this movie and i think that's probably why fox was so eager uh to move forward this because they were probably thinking we could have you know maybe it's not going to be another 2.8 billion dollar movie but like we could have a very uh healthy return on a movie that is going to be all about the visuals and that's why you need to go see it on the big screen and all this stuff yeah and but also for disney i can i see this movie that i'm like this does also feel like a lot of disney stuff and like it feels like it fits their catalog, and mm-hmm. I guess that's one of the reasons why when they canceled it, it was one of the reported reasons why they did it because it felt too similar to other stuff they were developing in terms of their live action CG uh, content. Um, not in terms of like true like no, they're not developing like uh, what's the what's their mouse the adventurers the rescuers the rescuers like it's not like they're developing a movie like they're not developing a live action. Well, actually, they are. They are developing a live action uh, movie like so that. And I'm just really mad now. Um, but that's, I think, but that's probably going to Disney plus cause that's a uh, Kiva Schaefer is the one directing that. And, uh, I think the, the biggest holdup for this pause for a second, you just went from not realizing a movie was being done to then immediately flinging out the director's name yeah, off true. the bat. Well, it's that's a crazy turn. And it, I just want to point out okay. how your mind works. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's only cause it's Lonely Island. So I mean, mm-hmm. there's that connection there. Um, and yeah, it was more like, cause I, I was like, wait, is that the rescuers or is that like some Chippendale movie? And I was like, wait, are those the same two things? <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, so I got a little confused there. Um, but I also under, understand why Disney would be hesitant to push this movie forward with a $170 million budget, even as great as this looks, because as much as you and me are both like, wow, this looks incredible, or it could look even better with finished VFX and everything, you know, this movie would still have to do $500 million worldwide to become profitable. Mm-hmm. And that just does not seem realistic at this point. I mean, in terms of the box office patterns we've seen this, this year, especially um, what we've seen in the past, I, it's hard to imagine Mouse Guard, a movie that's like biggest voice cast member is either Andy Serkis or Idris Elba, who are both great, but they're like, you know, not these absolute mega, you know, A-list superstars are going to draw in a bunch of people yeah. just because they're attached. Uh-huh. So it's, I'm really conflicted of like, I understand why they'd cancel it, but also after seeing this, I'm way more interested now than I was before. Like when we talked about it being canceled several months ago, I was like, I mean, I get this. I get why they're doing this because, like, it's way too expensive. But then you see what they were developing and going for, and I'm like, oh, but I also like the vision a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm really intrigued of, like, do the, is it possible this movie gets picked up again by Disney that they took all this stuff down? They're like, okay, we've seen a lot of positivity toward this. Let's reconfigure. Wes, can you bring the budget down to 140? Yeah. 120, 120, 140, and then we can make this happen. Uh, or is another studio like Netflix or Amazon or uh, Apple or uh, Warner Brothers or whoever going to swoop in and be like, you know what, that is that, that is the kind of material that pushes the genre and the movie industry forward in terms mm-hmm. of technology. We want to be a part of that. We want to do that. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is going to be um, because like you said, like $175 million is a lot. Mm -hmm. Number one, it makes me say, wow, that's a lot, like I just said, but it also makes me say, could you imagine that reel costing $175 million? Like, what would that look like? Right. That reel already looked pretty good, you know? And then, like, to fully, I mean, fully render that all out and just to, you know, dive in there, like you said, detail by detail. I like. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe like it'll take a recasting or something like that. Like like we'll stick some younger people in there who can Instagram this to all their you know <laughs> stars or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like, yeah. like those kind of like really petty things that drive um, 
casting and budgets and things like mm-hmm. that for movies now. And that would be great. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to it because I could see it happening in so many ways. So Apple shelling out $175 million for it would be wild mm-hmm. um, because they'd also have to get the property rights. They right. wouldn't be just be paying for the movie. They'd, That's they, true. They'd have to pay $250 million or $300 mm-hmm. million. They basically have to pay on any potential missed profit yeah. rather than shutting it down, which is an insane thing in and of itself. So, but I, I really hope Disney picks back up on it. But if anything, though, this should underscore why it's not completely great that Disney has all of Fox Studios. That, um, that's definitely a good point. Just the, the veto power, the, the, the whims of one person, mm-hmm. or the new head of Fox Studios for Disney, or right. whatever the case is. The veto power there is just, it's too much for one person. Like, Blade Runner 2049 may not have been made if. Um, was that a Fox movie? No, it's Warner Brothers and oh, okay. Sony. But, you know, if that risk was ever deemed or something like that. Oh, you know sure. What I mean? It's like, like, that's why I'm worried we, about, like, Dune. Like, you know, Denny's all about, I have this, I have another movie at least I want to do. And I'm like, oh, boy. I'm just very worried that this movie that probably costs at least $150 million to make is going to make 400 plus worldwide. Right. And be like, yep, we can do a sequel. Yeah. And it's like, oh, very worried. But like we, we we get away with things. There's highway robberies like Blade Runner forty nine, which problem which it was like my and you know, then there's Doom, which will probably be the same thing, except we have Timothy Shaw. We have a we have Timothy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac in that movie. Yeah. So I think it's I mean Rebecca Ferguson, oh you could just, I, we don't want to turn it into a casting thing. Um but this felt like a highway robbery movie. Mm-hmm. You know, if West Paul got his, you know, vision realized. Right. Uh and now it's up in the air, and now I've I've got a taste of it, and I really, really, really want it. Now, yeah, I mean, I want to. I would love to see somebody be willing to fork up the hundred and, you know, even if he comes down a little bit and says, you know, one hundred and forty million dollars. That's the budget, and cut it down to ten to thirty million, depending on what the final number would have been. Um, I would love to see somebody pick that up. But I'm also I'm just thinking about this right now. Like, would it like would you be down to see like a West Ball Netflix animated like series or even a movie where it's like, because like they have like the ideas behind this, but like they can't go full CG. But like, what if you do like a, I mean, not like anime, but like you do like a CG movie that's Mm -hmm. different. It's not hyper realistic. It's semi-realistic with models, but like there's a different like texture to everything. Yeah. And like it, it can bring the cost down. It could be full CG. You don't need to do mocap and performance capture. You just do people in for voices, which are, which was probably bring down the fees of those people. I don't know. I'm not, you know, that entrenched in Hollywood contracts and all that stuff, but um, it would take their workload down a ton. For sure. Like I would love to, like based on the visuals that they're presenting here, I would love to see it in the photorealistic environments that they're going for. But also if we could just get that story, whatever it would be and the same visual style, I wouldn't say no to that either. Yeah. I, hmm, hmm. I don't have an opinion on that yet. Okay. I would have to be sold on a different project. Cause like, I keep thinking about those, those dang turtles, man, <laughs> just, just, just strutting across there like Brachiosaurus is, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We will see. I mean, so if you had to say right now, yes or no, is Mouse Guard officially dead or is it going to get another push somewhere else? It's not officially dead till West Ball picks up another project. That's fair. Till he says, fine, I'll direct this. That's when it's dead. But then again, once he picks up a project with Netflix, it's not dead. Because then it's like, is this a one for you, one for me situation? Maybe. Netflix needs quality, not and they, but they also need quantity. They're they losing. Need, they're losing the office. That's right. In a year, they're that's gonna right, lose a lot right. of stuff. They should, yeah. So they, but they need quality, not quantity. Um, I mean, they've got so many series. Yeah, Stranger Things season three has gotten good reviews, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, but I want it, and I hope someone picks it up. Yeah, I hope it gets picked up. I'm hesitant to say that it will, unless. Wes is able to figure out a way to bring the budget down uh, in some way. Um, so it makes it a little easier for a studio to bite on. But if it doesn't happen, then Disney slash Fox, uh, please give Wes Ball one of your major franchises. Mm-hmm. Give him a Star Wars movie, a Marvel movie, uh, any movie he wants instead, just to kind of make up for this. Because don't really love <laughs> what you did to him. 
So uh, let's move on, though, to another Disney property, another live-action remake that's on the way next year. Uh, and according to the Diz Insider, Disney's live-action Milan movie uh, may not feature Mushu in the traditional form or even the songs in the traditional form either um, because they revealed um, in a, from a close Source 2 production that the movie has swapped out Mushu's dragon form of the phoenix instead um, and that any of the songs that are included in the movie will not actually be sung by the people and the characters in the film, they'll be either like all instrumentals or they'll be like, it'll be background music um, that plays over scenes instead. So uh, I think we were both very excited for the live action Mulan, both are fans of the animated Mulan movie as well. So are are we cool with these changes? Cause I know that's one thing you've talked about in the past of, you know, what's the point of these live action movies? If they are just redoing beat for beat, shot for shot, character for character, what we've seen before. So, are you okay with them making these changes uh, from Milan? Yes, I'm definitely fine with it. Um, but it's just one of those things where, yeah, no, I I'm fine with it. it but it's like how they're going to do it will be interesting. Like I don't, the the tenor of this movie seems to be shifting shifting from rather, um, like kitschy remake of Aladdin. Uh-huh. Okay, because that's kind of what I felt when I first saw this movie get put into production. Then they're like, no music. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? But then I saw that happen with Aladdin. And then I realized, oh, this is going to be like their push into like the larger Chinese market. Mm-hmm. Or at least maybe an attempt at it or something yeah. like that. And that's what they're going for. And so with these stripping out the musical qualities of this song, like you're going to cut down on the cheese, but then you can also rework them like they've described into the film and, you know, let it just be like, let, let those notes be heard um, without making it seem like, oh, that's right. The, you know, the be a man, no one's breaking out, you know, <laughs> harmoniously into be a man or anything uh-huh. like that. Rather that can be like, like, I think, I think I said it before, like a chant, you know, as they're marching or something like that, or just mm-hmm. like a few lines inserted into the film or something like that. And I think it would be better because like we talked about with Aladdin, y- you want something different and you want something a little more real and a much less, a lot less, um, just, copy and paste from the script you want it to be sort of embedded and imbued with like a, the genre of movie that can be around it or that's mm-hmm. kind of come up around it and that it's borrowing from and so the idea that they're doing that with the music is a really good signal i think that we could be getting something actually truly different with mulan while still being a live action remake yeah no i, th- I mean I, that definitely seems like where they're going and i think that's going to uh the same way, I guess, past Disney live action remakes have divided audiences. I mean, they divided Aladdin, divided us in terms of our enjoyment of it, um, because I wanted to see that basically just a recreation of the animated movie on the big screen. You wanted to see something different, and it, but it's and I, I understand, so I understand why they're going this other route. And they're like, all right, let's read, let's remake this, but let's do a completely different spin on it. Or at least not a maybe not a completely different spin. Let's change some key things to differentiate ourselves from what came before. Um, and I can understand that decision. I understand why maybe director Nikki Carr would want to do that. Um, but it also, it, it sets up those, like it sets up the people who I think are for the most part, really supportive of these live action movie movies um, to then turn against Mulan uh, to be like, well, how come you didn't give me this stuff mm-hmm. that I was expecting to see? And then again, but something brand new that I haven't seen before. Yeah. So it's really, I think, a tough call to make and one that I'm not totally sure where I land on because we haven't seen anything from the movie beyond, you know, a still image. I mean, the first trailer will probably arrive in the next, you know, it'll probably arrive soon. Um, so I'm excited to see what they deliver uh, in terms of what we're actually going to get from this because it, it seems like this movie has gone through several changes of what it's going to be. There were the yeah. early reports that, nope, there are no songs. And everybody's like, well, why not? And then there was no news on Mushu and his casting. It's like, is Mushu in this movie? What's happening? And then the reports are coming. Oh, yeah, Mushu is in the movie. Don't worry. And the reports come out. Oh, no, don't worry. The songs are in, the, are in it. But now if they're going back on all of that again, it's just like, it, it's a really strange development cycle this movie has gone through. So, uh, I I'll be, I'll be okay with it. I mean, I'm not like, okay, you know, arms folded. I'm mad going into the theater, you know, next, 
March, I think is when Mulan drops. Um, I'm not going to be upset because Mushu's not a dragon and mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not going to hear, you know, any of the Mulan songs if they do something that is still good. And, you know, as long yeah. as that is the case, then great. Will I, even if that's the case, will I still prob- possibly miss the songs? Yeah, that's a probably still a decent chance, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, this movie's doomed to fail because they're not giving, they're not doing exactly the same thing as the prior movies. So right. um, I want to see these movies be faithful to what came before, but also improve upon them and add to them when needed. And if this is a change that needs to be made for this iteration of the story, then I'm all for it as long as they, they can do it in the right way. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Mulan. Again, hopefully it won't be too long before we see something, maybe even a trailer as we move on to Ticket or Skip It, where we will discuss this week's trailers and give one a ticket this week as we got our first trailer for Queen and Slim, the first trailer for Current War, the first trailer for Midway, the first trailer for Charlie's Angels, and the final trailer for Hobbs and Shaw. Josh, which of these five trailers gets your ticket this week? I am all in on the long-awaited semi-delayed current war i loved it yeah first of all i love light bulbs and electricity i love benedict cumberbatch i love nicholas holt i I like nicholas holt (laughs) a lot i am in love with michael shannon tom holland being there is just a bonus but this is i'm getting these um oh and then there's Catherine waterson too in there who stand completely but this is the movie that i love to see period piece totally extraneous but like just gets to the heart of like these weren't noble people back then there's there's greed and jealousy and just like this um like very pettiness you know and competition that existed through every century and they're honing in on one of the most famous ones thomas edison and nikola tesla and uh, i just I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it because it looks like it, it looks like it reminded me of Ford versus Ferrari. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they waited for that trailer to come out and they cut theirs to it. You know what I mean? That's kind of the vibes and the attention. Now it could end up being utterly terrible. That's very possible. This movie's been delayed and moved around and shuffled. Right. And I don't think that's totally because of the movie more of, I believe it was a Weinstein project. Okay. And so then it's been oh. shuffled around of, does anybody want to take this? I had no clue about that. Oh, does he means he's going to get revenue from this? I don't think so. Cause I think that he was, was bought away from him. So he shouldn't have Other anything than to the do initial with it. Sale. Okay. Well, I won't feel bad then, but Yes, I'm here for it. Anytime Benedict Cumberbatch puts on some kind of hat, you know, I'm just I'm so game. So bring it on, give it to me. Uh, I'm ready to watch it. Okay, uh, I am going to give my ticket this week, and it's, it's a tough one to decide because I wasn't really blown away with any of these trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one that uh, I've been kind of waiting for the longest and that seemed to deliver something that's intriguing uh, is the Queen and Slim trailer. Uh, oh, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who is a favorite of both of ours, I. I just really like the way that this movie, like the setup for this, that like they're accidentally someone accidentally involved in the cop shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're on the run and they turn to like this new life um, to try to, you know, stay away and, you know, stay together. And, you know, the script is written by Lena R- uh, Waithe. Um, so I have no doubt this movie is going to say something um, about, you know, the political climate of America. And I think Dana Kaluuya in the lead role here is going to do a great job here in the in the lead role. And uh, I don't know. I think, well, Jodie Turner-Smith is the, uh, the lead female, uh, her first feature role. So this is set to release at like, near the end of the year. So I'm hoping that means... It's also a very quality as the trailer makes it look. I mean, visually it looks fantastic. And as long as both of them can deliver uh, performances that live up to, I think, the premise and setup for the movie, then we could be looking at a special film, I think, at the end of the year. So Queen Slim's going to get my ticket this week. And we'll move on to the flyby to wrap up this episode as we got Airport Week from the wrap that Salma Hayek, the Oscar nominee, is in talks to join Marvel's The Eternals. There's no word on who she is playing, Josh. Are you excited to see Salma Hayek join the MCU? Yeah, I love Salma Hayek. Um, Who doesn't? Exactly. Like, if you haven't seen her arc in 30 Rock, then you are missing out on some of the best television of all time. Uh, The Mr. Templeton episode is the one you just need to go to right away, okay? Um, No clue what she could be, but if she's going to play some eternally powerful goddess who's descended among us, 
um, blesses us with her presence, then she's going to be right at home in the role. Yeah, I mean, she is she's fantastic. Uh, big fan of Salma Hayek, and I think it's it's tough because we don't know if she's going to be one of the characters from the early breakdowns, or if this could be a new character, somebody who wasn't listed before. If she is somebody from the breakdowns, um, I think the character of Thena would be a solid choice for her, even though she is beyond the age range for that act, for that character uh, by a couple of years. Um, but Thena is this uh, this warrior who's also has a motherly um, nature to her because she has a child in some uh, iterations of the comic. And I think that mixture of uh, warrior and mother is like right in line with Salma Hayek. Like she can bring the fire but, and the intensity, but also like the nurturing love and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think she could knock that role out of the park if that is who she plays. But regardless, I mean, it's Salma Hayek and uh, she continues to make the Eternals one of like the most stacked casts that Marvel's had, especially for a brand new property, like yeah. it's off the charts. So uh, we also got uh, some uh, very exciting casting news for Enola Holmes, uh, the movie starring Millie Bobby Brown as THR report this week that Helena Bonham Carter has joined the movie as her mother and that Henry Cavill will play Enola's older brother, the one, the only Sherlock. So uh, two Brits, two uh, very uh, incredible actors, and I uh, cannot wait to see what this movie is in the final product. Yeah, it feels like something different. Like, I don't know, as soon as as soon as the Cavill casting came out there, I was just like, I just like that alliteration. Um, it was like, oh, this could be something like actually like not kitschy, not like Door and the Lost City of Gold, oh, no. but more like really good. And then I just saw Cavill. As the ultra most handsomest Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> right? And it's like, how do you not want to see that movie? Especially what, especially as him leaning into sort of just being kind of like, um, I don't know. He's he's sort of making a John Hamm term where he's like incredibly handsome, but also like in Good Omens, he's like also dumb and very self aware of who he could be. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what this 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 Cavill feel, casting feels like. So bring it on. Yeah, uh, great cast so far as is a great cast for Ghostbusters 2020, Ghostbusters 3, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, the new movie from Jason Reitman has already reported this week that Paul Rudd has joined the cast as a teacher. Uh, so he's not connected to the family, but he's probably a teacher of the young school kid, uh, the young kid played by McKenna Grace and her brother, Finn Wolfhard. Um, so Paul Rudd is fantastic. He is like one of the best people on the planet. And so him joining Ghostbusters seems like, the most perfect of perfect fits uh-huh. and him with Jason Reitman and Carrie Coon and everything. Uh, even his uh, announcement video. I don't know if you saw this uh, where he was like standing in front of the old uh, Ghostbusters station, the firehouse. And uh, he was talking about how like he was so excited. He slimed himself. Uh, I was <laughs> like, okay, this is, this is already great. This is already yeah. perfect. Uh, cannot wait for this mm-hmm. movie. There's this, there's Paul Rudd's like goofy, wacky, like, Oh gee, Oh boy, I guess we're doing this energy that he can sometimes play with Ant-Man uh-huh. is going to be right at home. Yeah. Per- bring it on. Perfect. Uh, then we also got a report for this week from Deadline uh, where they reported that Taika Waititi is reportedly going to quote unquote crack the uh, animated version of a Flash Gordon movie for Disney Fox, even though he is not yet attached to write or direct the film. Um, so there was previously a live action Flash Gordon movie in the make, in the, mm-hmm. in the works from Julius Avery, the director of Overlord, yes. which I was excited to see because Overlord was great. And now it looks like that pro- project is probably dead uh, in lieu of this Taika TD animated Flash Gordon movie. Is this the next great fit for Taika? yes or is this just them saying let's do flash gordon but thor ragnarok style right yeah like the idea of like he just basically shape this with your sensibility i think he'll write but i don't think he'll direct yeah um it's just like be like taika what what would we do here and then some other improvisational up-and-coming director may take over for it Mm -hmm. um but yeah this just it feels like a disney thing where they're just like oh do you want it sure then they took it away from joe savory who probably would have crushed it maybe hopefully or, or maybe it was a disaster and that's why they took it away maybe who knows but Tyga's name on anything right now i'll buy it mm-hmm. so you know bring it up also what we do in the shadows on fx is perfect i've not watched that yet even though i've heard it's fantastic just like it's basically the movie but there's more of it yeah <laughs> obviously uh but i mean yeah it's it's tough because Tyga's doing jojo rabbit right now he'll do akira next yeah. and so then like if he if he were the one to do this movie like write it and direct it and everything. That movie's not coming out for several years. So I think this is probably more of like a thing of like, hey, Taika, when you're not editing JoJo for us, 
uh, and before you go and do Akira, mm-hmm. can you like figure out the tone, style, and story for our animated Flash Gordon movie, and then we'll give you EP credit on you can make a couple million dollars. Yeah. And that's the route they're going to go, and somebody else will do everything else. Um, I think that's probably the best way to go. That, and that way, you, it's not like, because Thor Ragnar got some Flash Gordon comparisons and vice versa. And so if he did this, it would just be full on. Well, this is clearly just going to be full on goofy camp mm-hmm. material uh, with Flash Gordon uh, behind the uh, the central role there. And I would rather them like not just do Thor Ragnarok in animation. As cool as that could look, potentially, especially from Taika's mind. Yeah. You know, if he's just going to crack the movie and let somebody else take over, then fine. Yeah, it'll be interesting too. Like if he doesn't direct it though, I don't even know if I'd be interested at the end of the day because everything he does is so on set and so specifically unspecific and so in the moment. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, can you rep, can you create something without him there? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I think either, I mean, either way. I think if Taika directed it, there's probably enough star power and name power behind it to get it to theaters but otherwise yeah. like this feels like a disney plus play right so uh lastly here uh, another F- disney fox property uh deadline revealed this week that uh and annette benning is in talks to join kenneth Branagh's uh, murder on the orient express sequel death on the nile uh as she joins an ensemble that will include gal gadot army hammer and letitia wright so uh we already have three great uh of our favorite people on board now Annette benning joins as well uh this movie's still happening she's great and now this cast just is even more talented Yes, uh, I'm so excited for this. I have the book ready and waiting in the wings on my shelf to read once I read 50 other things. Okay. So I will remember this story and be ready to like place all these characters and like, you know, relive this before we get to it. But yeah, like all of these things come to fruition, especially in a betting, like just bathe me in the eternal glory of <laughs> Christie's mysteries with Kenneth Branagh directing. Did you, did you watch a uh, slightly off topic, but slightly in topic murder mystery on Netflix? I did not. I want, like I put it in my queue and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll like in the, in the eternal way of the way I'm thinking like Netflix movie, I'll watch this one and review. It'll be easy. <laughs> and then never got to it. And this one was like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's very clear Agatha Christie, uh, inspirations and references in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't, it's okay. It's, it's, it's not, again, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's just like, oh, they, okay. They tweeted numbers for that. Didn't they? That like 300 million uh, people watched it or something like that? Definitely not 300 million. Oh, okay. That is, that would be like <laughs> easily an all time record. <laughs> but it was a lot though, right? I think it, yeah, I think it's, it did like 140. No, not even that, like 30 or 40. Okay. And that, that was still the record. Like it beat birdhouses. Like Bird five, box. like five. Yeah. Well, bird box is like, you know, Oh, uh, our birdhouses. No. Astute observation. I don't know. You're, I don't know where we're going with this. Uh, either way, it broke the record that was was set by Bird Box. Got it. So uh, that is all we have for the five by this oh, week. Oh well, you, no, you said Bird House is like even if it was plural. I said Bird House. Yeah, you said Bird Houses. Oh, whoops, that's what I was getting. Uh, okay, at. I was like, I was like, what do you not understand about this? <laughs> uh, but that is all we have for this week's episode of Friends Film. Next week, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, well, actually this week on Wednesday, we'll be, we'll be back with a review and spoiler MCU feature discussion about Spider-Man: Far From Home. And next Monday, we'll be back with a review of Midsummer, taking then that Wednesday off because of uh, scheduling. So, in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on anything covered by Trace Outfits Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, and just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five star view with comments. Thanks again for tuning in to the Film Podcast. Josh, goodbye. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.